Blog Talk Radio. to Tech Espresso Cafe. Thank you for joining us. This is Jacqueline Sanders, and I'm here today with my co-host. Dave Blackman. Welcome, everyone. So excited for another one of our shows. So to all our tech interns, to our tech entrepreneurs, um, to our new techies, to our old techies, just welcome, everyone. And also special shout-out to our non-techies. Um, Tech Espresso, we talk about technology, careers, business, uh, leadership roles in technology, and we also are talking to our non-techies as well. So there's something for everyone, and we thank everyone for joining and following us. And today, on today's show, I'm very excited to introduce you to Matt Ernest. Welcome, Matt. Thank you, Jacqueline. Glad to be here. And... Sorry about that, Matt. Are you still there? I'm still here. Can you guys hear me okay? Uh, We sure can. Welcome, Matt. How are you? I'm doing well. And you guys? We're doing great. Thank you. And to start out the show, one of the things that I want to, to share with the audience is my experience in working with Matt. And one of the things that I said um, online even was that everyone should have a Matt on their team. And not just because Matt is the person who oversees and takes quality very serious. Matt on our team, uh, on our project team, our IT project team, he was he oversaw QA, quality assurance, um, testing, validation, and, and the whole verification process. And we're going to talk about that. But that's not the main reason why I say everyone should have a mat on their team. The main reason why everyone should have a mat on their team is because Matt brings the fun. Let me just say that right now. He brings the energy. And and that we really you need that on the team. You need a mat. And the one thing I can say about Matt, no matter how stressful the situation, he kind of lightened everything up for the team and always stayed above any of the politics or those type of games that go on. And that's why I so want to talk to Matt about not only and also express my appreciation to Matt that it was great working with you, great being on the team with you, 
And I hope everybody has an experience with their own mat because uh, every team needs a mat. So, again, welcome, Matt, and really looking forward to talking to you this evening. Thanks, Jacqueline. I think that uh, you certainly are, are too kind with your words, but I, uh, I I do think that we had a special bond on our team, uh, You know, not only you and I, but both of us with our respective teams and the collaboration that we created between them. Uh, we certainly teamed up well to create an environment of innovation, um, focused on delivery and never forgetting uh, what my favorite topic is, which is quality. So um, thank you for, the, for that introduction. I think that, you know, again, your words are certainly far too kind, uh, but we did. We absolutely made a great team. Well, thank you, and they're heartfelt. And so let's talk about let's talk about your journey, just as many of our listeners, they're beginning their journey or at different points in their journey. So it's always good to hear someone who's well into their, their career and has had success to talk about. Tell us where you started out and how you found yourself uh, in your role at Quintiles when we met. Sure. So I'm a product of the University of Georgia. I actually am probably one of the few people that actually uses uh, my degree on a, on a daily basis. I chose management of information systems when I was at the Terry College of Business and actually study systems analysis and design, database design, and the principles that truly go into uh, software delivery. I had a passion for it then, uh, truly enjoyed the experience, liked my coursework, and uh, was quickly interested in Accenture, who was on campus at Georgia doing active consulting. Uh, the interview process with them was very smooth simply because I, you know, as I mentioned, I had a passion for the work. I had a passion for leadership. Um, and I think that that showed through. When I came into the, the Accenture environment, I didn't really know what to expect. So for those of you who are familiar with Accenture, you know, big consulting company, big clients, big projects, and it can be intimidating coming in. Well, as an analyst, um, the probably one of the most advantageous acts, aspects of getting started with a company like that is they have some very well-defined methodologies. For me, I started out in, uh, in, in kind of a dual role. I was a part of the PMO so that I could learn the framework of the project and get a get a perspective of the big picture of what was going on, but also uh, quickly gravitated towards the testing team and had a had a real interest in quality. The uh, the the advantage there for me as I as I dove further into the testing world is I found that there's you know, testing is uh, really opens you up to all aspects of a technology project. When you're, when you're dealing uh, with the testing team, you learn a lot about uh, project management and the structure of a project plan and how we deliver software. You learn a lot about the requirements and the requirements gathering process, and you truly learn about the system and the business process as you're learning, how do I go break this system? 
you know, there's other aspects of testing as well. There's, uh, you know, there's, there's performance testing, and through performance testing, you learn about the architecture of the system. You learn the importance of the underlying infrastructure, and you learn how things are put together from the user interface that a customer actually sees to the inner workings and the behind-the-scenes that kind of make things go. It was an excellent introduction to IT for me. Um, it was an excellent introduction to actually putting the things that I had learned in college, seeing them come to fruition, and putting them in practice in a live environment. I spent a couple of years in that consulting arena, all focused on quality assurance, all focused on testing, learning something new every day, whether it was about infrastructure and capacity planning associated with back-end servers or sitting with architects and learning how systems were put together and what does it truly mean to integrate one component of the system with another. It was fascinating to me the complexity associated with the systems that we use on a day-to-day -day basis and really seeing what enterprise platforms could look like. It took that you know, the, the boring nine to five, and it made it exciting as you see these systems jump off the page and really come to life. So that was an exciting time for me. Uh, but I was traveling. Um, you know, I'd, I'd gained some, you know, significant experience. I was deeply rooted in methodology, and I'd learned a lot of disciplines, but I was ready uh, to get off the road. So at that point in time, it was it was just a good idea for for my family, for me to uh, to go to a local company, but I liked the excitement and the big atmosphere that Accenture brought to the table and some of the clients that we worked with. Luckily, Atlanta still offers that opportunity, and I moved into uh, the Home Depot. I worked in their uh, testing organization uh, for for a couple of years. I was focused primarily on analytical systems. This is about the time where data warehousing is starting to really pick up as a technology and leveraging the large amounts of data that big companies like, an, like a uh, Home Depot have to understand their business, to drive decision-making, and really building systems around pulling that information out. My job there uh, in, in, in these <laughs> just terabytes of data is to ensure that these front-end analytical systems actually represent the data uh, accurately as it comes from source systems. That can, that can be pretty complex and pretty intimidating when you know that there's an executive sitting at a table somewhere making a decision based on that data. This was the first opportunity really where I got to lead a team as well. And so, uh, as I mentioned, um, one of my passions coming out of college was leadership. I finally had a team. I had someone to work with um, to really teach them the things that I had learned and help them um, become better at their job, become better at learning the disciplines associated with testing and quality assurance, to learn why we do some of the detailed and, and, and monotony that we do associated with testing and truly learning you know, the difference between a testing organization and running a test case and true quality assurance and looking at you know, the system as a whole and taking in uh, user experience and performance and all the aspects that makes the testing organization such a, such a fun place to be. Um, 
Home Depot actually started uh, to centralize their services, and, and we were we were introduced to the concept of a, of a center of excellence. Well, Accenture was organized in a, in a very similar fashion, so this was a comfortable place for me. I moved into the center of excellence and took on a bigger team and actually led uh, their front end, what, what Home Depot calls their front end point of sale systems test team. So I actually owned an application area and had several test members that I worked with. And I really, this was where I, I got a passion for management as I built the team and, you know, once again had a larger audience to, to, to talk with and, and, and actually exchange ideas on how we could truly ensure that the system did what it was supposed to do and was actually going to stand up uh, and, and become a quality product for our user. I met one of uh, I met one of my mentors while in this role, Jacqueline. You know Devin quite well. Uh, Devin was my uh, he was my first manager at Home Depot, and he came to uh, a company that was little known to me, known as Quintiles. And he uh, he approached me a couple of times. He needed some help with their uh, with their central labs team, uh, the lab team at, at Quintiles, heavily data focused. He finally talked me into coming over and, and, and joining uh, the team at Quintiles, and I found myself once again back in the world of data and quality assurance associated with systems that deal with large amounts of data. As Jacqueline mentioned uh, in the introduction, not only was I now focused on testing, now I have to worry about validation as well, and there's a difference between validation and testing. It was something new for me to learn, a new challenge in my career, that kept me excited. Um, you know, it's 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 always uh, a true blessing when when you have something new that that sits in front of you to kind of keep things fresh uh, and keep you always you know reaching for more and always continually learning. So here I found myself at uh, at Quinn's house. I was learning the aspects of validation, which and we can talk a little bit about the the difference between validation and testing. Um, here in a minute, if you'd like, Jacqueline. Uh, that was a good. That was a new world for me, and I think that managing that central labs team went quite well. We demonstrated to the larger IT organization that we knew how to bake quality into our products, not because necessarily only based on the results that we saw in the production environment but because we defined processes and we defined consistency and repeatability, and I worked with my team as well as other teams at Quintiles to refine and mature the processes that we used to validate and test our systems. Um, as as you know, many of you guys who may already be in the testing industry know or simply involved in technology products as a whole, Consistency and repeatability are a reflection of maturity and certainly help you receive uh, or reach a, a repeatable outcome, right? Doing things different each and every time you approach a software project is not going to lead to very consistent or good results. So as a result of some of the successes we had there, I found myself in my first associate director role. And I was, I was taking over the responsibility that, that Devin previously had, and I found myself in some large shoes. Devin is not only a quality assurance expert, but he's a data warehousing expert. So he knows 
good methodology of implementing the systems. I had two years of working under him to to pick up as much as I could, and now I found myself in a position where I was defining the strategy for how we tested these data warehousing systems and leading a team of as many as 23 employees and contractors. So um, I've been, you know, I've been in the Quintile space for about five years, met a lot of people, made a lot of great relationships, and at the end of the day, where we sit now, I can, I can really say that I feel like because of, uh, with the help of our quality assurance team, participation from um, all functional groups, I think we've really, as our CEO likes to say, moved the needle on quality because of the, uh, because of the efforts that we've made. Now, what I haven't talked a lot about and I can certainly um, you know, jump into it for a few minutes, is the relationship between the testing team and some of the other uh, functional groups that are associated with the project role, how they interact, and how they, they also make uh, the testing role a very fun one. Um, but in terms of my career path, that's, that's kind of the high level on, on how I've gone from college and in, into the consulting world to, to quintiles today. Um, as I was saying, is that that all occurred in a five-year time span, and even me, with me working beside you, you just made it seem so effortless, effortlessly. But obviously, you are, you know, great under pressure. And, and that's one of the things I wanted to ask you. You said that you always had that passion for leadership. And, you know, for a lot of people, that, that can be very challenging. What were some of the, the lessons learned as you, you know, what you envision as being a leadership, and, and what were some of the challenges? Can, can you talk about that? Absolutely. So my guiding principle, first of all, is never forgetting that people are an organization's greatest asset. So the work will always take care of itself. The organization will always find someone who's willing to do the job. My job is to make sure that for the people that are in place that they know the importance of the job that they're doing, that they know that not only me personally, but, uh, but the organization appreciates what they're doing and help them take a sense of pride in, in their job, help them understand the bigger picture, and not just simply hand out tasks on a day-to-day -day basis, but let them know that you're a part of something, you're a part of a team, you're a part of an organization that's doing great things. And so with Quintile, that's a very easy message. My job as a manager and as a leader is to make sure that day in and day out, they know what they're a part of and that they always feel that they're a part of something and that they're recognized for their accomplishments. We're in a world where, you know, the economy has been tough, um, but it's started to rebound. There's other jobs out there. Um, you know, they're, they're not easy necessarily to come by, but I know that if I don't take care of the people that are on my team, someone else is out there that would like to. 
Um, so I want to know every day that I'm putting in 100% to understand my staff, to understand what their career plans, what their desires and wants and, uh, and hopes and dreams are so that I'm working to help them fulfill those while meeting the needs of the business at the same time. Uh, I very much take an approach of, of servant leadership. Uh, I bring that to the table because, again, you know, leadership's not something you do to people. It's, it's something that you do with them. Um, you know, Ken Blanchard always said that, and I think that it's a, a good piece of advice for, for all leaders. You've got to understand that the people that are there, they're not there to do something for you. You're there to build something with them. They've got to know that they're a part of something uh, exciting, uh, so, uh, something that, you know, a unit, a team, and you're always looking to build those relationships together. That becomes challenging when you've got a project timeline that's fixed, You've got scope that's fixed, and you've got your resourcing levels that are fixed. Every, you know, project management 101 tells you you can't fix all three of those levers. But in today's world, we're operating with leaner staff trying to get more done, and that's the reality of what we're doing. So people get stressed, and when they, when they don't feel the appreciation for the work that they're doing, they want to go somewhere where they can find that. When they're not getting um, opportunity to to move up or opportunity to take on more, they want to go somewhere where they can find that. So, you know, some of the challenges that I've worked through is trying to figure out how to keep people engaged when they've got 110% workload on their plate. You know, what are the little things that I can do as a manager to let them know that, yeah, I've got to ask you to do this and crunch this out because that's the direction of the organization. But what are the little cherries that I can put on top to let them know that I'm going to get you the break where I can get you the break? And I truly notice and, and appreciate what you're doing. So, you know, where can I find that compensation time to get them, you know, an afternoon off to go do something that's important to them, whether that be a community event or a child's baseball game or something along those lines? You know, what power do I have, being creative even, to make sure that there's there's things um, that everyone on my team knows that they're important to me and I'm working to do everything I can to ensure that um, that they're appreciated, not just through words but through actions as well. That's, uh, that's certainly not easy in today's world. And the, um, the other aspect of it, a good leader, always says, follow me, right? So if we're going through tough times, if we're about to walk through a project that has a, that has a timeline that is just unbelievable, y'all are going to be behind me the whole way. Follow me. I'm going to be there every hour of it with you. And, Jacqueline, you and I live that together. When, when you first put together the methodology associated with Q-Agile at the lab, that was a very difficult transition um, and a very difficult process for not only the testers but the BAs as well. And there was never a point in time where those guys couldn't look up and see you in the front of the room there in the uh, in 2206 and 2208, right? So you didn't you don't necessarily always have your hands on the keyboard getting it done, but you're always there for them to provide them the leadership and the guidance that they need because they're going to have questions and they're, they're, they're looking to you for, you know, not only technical expertise, but simply some morale, right? 
so I think that that's always important uh, for us as leaders to remember is that, um, you know, it's about the people, and um, we have to figure out how to uh, be there for them, lead the way for them, and then reward them for the work that they do. Absolutely, absolutely. Well said, and and thank you. Um, you know, you're making me blush. I, I appreciate uh, that those kudos. And you're you're right. We spent some serious time in uh, some of those training rooms with every all hands on deck, so to speak. Um, some some good memories, um, and we got through it. But let's talk about because but something you've been touching upon is the relationship with people. And, and as you mentioned, people might think, and, and honestly, I, I actually had some uh, college students come up to me and said, I, I'd, I'd like to go into testing because, I, you know, they're thinking that, it, first of all, they had this image that it was 9 to 5, you just went in your cube, you tested, and you really didn't have to deal with people. Well, that probably isn't further from the truth because something you mentioned, you have to interact with a lot of different people on the team. Can you talk to people about what what is the, this thing uh, about testing, and, and what does it really encompass? So, so testing is about making sure that the system behaves the way the system should behave. You can't do that if you don't understand, one, what is the business doing with the system and how do they use that? Well, first, you've got to figure that out. And the way to figure that out is to talk to your business analyst, Right. You can, whether that be, you know, one-on-one in their office where you're building that relationship with them and they're doing knowledge transfer and knowledge exchange, or you're actually sitting in on some of the workshops that the, that the business analysts are facilitating, either way, you've got to collect that information, and it can't be done necessarily in all cases from a document. Even if you try it that way, that's boring, and who wants to do that? I want to get up and mix it up with my team. I want to learn the things that maybe aren't written in the document. I want to learn how do they really get their job done because sometimes we'll find that there's a difference between what's written down in a procedure and what folks on the ground are actually doing with a system. Also, uh, project managers want to know when are you going to get this done and can you get it done any quicker. Well, i got to interact with them to let them know, okay, guys, um, I'm going to step away from, you know, testing for a moment, I'm going to talk with a project manager about the timeline and the drivers behind that timeline and how I arrived at my estimate and the strategy behind, you know, why I did that. So I'm building that relationship and I'm interacting there. And we're not even talking pure testing anymore. Now we're talking, you know, some project management principles. So I'm learning from them what's driving the project while I'm also teaching them how do I go about testing the system and why do I need this time? Outside of the project management aspect, there's there are error codes that, that testers are constantly trying to create and initiate. Well, what drives that? How do I make those error codes pop up? Now, I may not necessarily get that um, by looking at a, at a process flow. Uh, sometimes I need to talk to developers about how the code is structured or maybe an architect to talk about how the modules of code are put together. Another way of terming that would be how did the development team translate business or functional requirements into code, right? You can do that in a couple of different ways. Again, one-on-one conversations, or you can get involved in the design review, and you can actually, as a tester, if you want, you can get involved all the way to the level of code review and understanding exactly how they've put this 
system together. The more knowledge that you have there, the better equipped you are to ensure that the system is going to behave for the users as they expect it to, and that it's also going to fail in a way that we would expect it to. All systems break. All systems encounter users, uh, encounter errors. So how, how well does the system do that? And is it is it done in a way that we would expect for it to? So, you know, again, you can kind of get a feel from that, uh, that a tester is not simply sitting in front of his his, uh, his keyboard nine to five, you know, banging on the keys trying to figure out a way to break it. There's a method to the madness. There's a strategy behind it. There's an approach behind it. In order to do so, you have to understand the requirements. You have to understand the design. And then, yeah, at some point you do sit down at the uh, you do sit down at your desk and you do write test cases and you make sure again that you comprehensively address all functionality and all elements of the design that need to be appropriately tested to ensure that it works as it should. So, you know, with any job, there is there is going to be an, an aspect of of one on one time with the computer. But that doesn't define quality assurance. That doesn't define testing. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for, for that. And, and, and again, all of your, your best experience and, and then background just to kind of just to pull that together. Because, you know, one of the things that, that we find, again, talking to some of the, the students in, in college, it's not like you can go to college and that, unlike, you know, project management, that you can get a degree, per se. Um, and so it, it, there is a lot of on-the-job with testing. Um, however, I find for a lot of young people, especially coming out of school, um, testing is probably a great place to start because you can learn an industry. And, and, and I heard how you explained how, you know, you're moving from Home Depot then to, to Quintiles, which – Two different industries completely. Um, would would you credit like kind of moving between those two that coming up through testing has been a way that that you would encourage others, uh, young people, to do in order to learn different industries that they might be interested in? Okay, so I'm totally biased here, but I think that testing is the number one way to learn about uh, IT and technology. Generally speaking, because, you know, again, going back to the conversation we've had here, you learn about each aspect of the project. You work with each functional team. Also, the skill sets are transferable. Um, so, yes, you know, for me, I looked at commonalities in the work that I would be doing in each one of these organizations when determining whether or not I, I had a good um, uh, was making a good career move. And yes, I moved, uh, I moved around from telecommunications to healthcare, um, payer provider insurance world when I was with Accenture. But I focused on quality assurance for those organizations in each one of my roles and found that there were differences between those, um, those domains, whether it be, you know, now I've also found myself in retail as well as biopharma with quintiles. You know, IT gives you the ability to move between these industries with a level of transferable skills that will allow you to be relevant in that world and find what you like. 
um, the what we talk about in each one of those uh, in each one of those areas, the business processes associated with the systems, you know, it helps to have an interest there. Um, what drove me at Quintiles, and I think what drives many of us, is the fact that we know the work that we're doing ultimately is going to deliver a medicine that's going to save someone's life. Well, that's a whole lot more exciting to some people than Home Depot where we were selling hammers. And I was trying to make sure that we built applications that, you know, told merchants how many hammers do we buy and do we have enough, you know, lumber in stock. Um, all the way to telecommunications where you may deal with more high technology. So I may be testing applications. And this is really neat, by the way. My first my first um, client when I was with Accenture uh, our test lab had flat screen TVs and Xboxes and um, cable set-top boxes because our end user was the consumer of what you guys now know as AT&T U-verse, right? So, yes, the the testing platform gives you the skills to to be relevant in any industry, and it's important to target an industry that delivers something that you're passionate about, something that you love, so that you can get into it and truly dive into making sure that you're delivering quality because ultimately quality is all about understanding the user, their experience, and what they need out of a particular IT system, right? Absolutely. And, and, and let me ask you, because as you're talking, this kind of dawned upon me, too, because I, we get this question uh, as well, because I think you heard me in the introduction talk to our non-techies. Uh, a lot of people uh, shy away from uh, technology and even uh, a station like this about technology ex expresso because they think that, uh, well, I'm not a geek. Um, and I wanted to ask you, do you even consider yourself a techie? And, and I ask that because in a lot of ways, people, you can go into the testing arena, uh, even uh, in an IT-type industry or IT-related uh, group, but at the same time, you may or may not have to feel like you have to be a, a coder, per se, and, and, and know everything about coding and so on and so forth. What, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, first of all, I I do not consider myself to be a tech geek. Um, I love and appreciate uh, guys in my field who truly love to get under the covers and write code. That's not my passion. Uh, my pro my passion is, is solving problems. My passion is uh, leading and developing people, optimizing processes, looking to make sure that uh, in, a, in a quality and testing arena that we take a logical, methodical, and efficient approach to testing a system. It's To me, regardless of the system that I'm testing, I'm solving a problem, and I'm looking to put a consistent, repeatable process around how we go about testing that solution. I'm doing risk analysis. I'm looking at various aspects of the system. It's, it's very analytical. So if anything, I would say more so than being a tech-focused geek, it's more about the analytics associated with it. I don't, I don't differentiate the skill sets that we bring to the table as uh, you know, business analysts and quality assurance professionals from any other analytical-type field or background. Um, so, you know, we have the 
capabilities as being to be as, as technical and geeky as the next guy, that's just not what drives people like me specifically. So, you know, I get overwhelmed talking to, you know, solution architects and guys who truly, you know, they're living the seven layers of network and that's just what they do and they're pinging servers and doing this, that, and the other, and that's not me. Um, and I don't do that in my spare time. But I do like to solve problems, and I do like to be looked at as a thought leader and someone who's bringing innovation to the table and someone who's challenging uh, the norm and looking for new ways of doing things. So from that perspective, am I an innovator? Absolutely. Am I a geek? Maybe in some people's eyes. Not from a technology perspective. Exactly. Excellent answer. I, I love that. And, and and something, you know, that, that you kind of hit upon, too, that, that we talk to young people about is you talked about some really important transferable skills. And that's things that you can take, you know, like you said, that thought leadership, that problem solving, um, trying to, you know, developing people, all of those, you can take those to different industries, uh, different companies, whatever the case may be. And and that's really what I want to hear people, you know, I want them to take away from what you just said because it's really important. And, and you were able to find very comfortably a home in an IT group, in an IT department, thrive there and, and build upon your transferable skills, and you can take them wherever you want them to, to go. So, you know, um, one of our, our quotes from one of our recent conferences, business is technology and technology is business. They're, they go hand in hand. And so young people need not shy away from them because the, the future, they're, they're going to be more, much more meshed together. And so it's, it's good to feel comfortable and to grow and to learn um, and be, until you find or can go someplace where which, where your passion is. Uh, but technology, IT, there is a place for the non-techie also. So I, I just wanted to kind of uh, get your, your take on that. And actually, I want to actually weave into here a question from one of our callers, someone who uh, found themselves weaved their way into uh, IT and the business analyst role. I'm going to give a shout-out to our mutual friend, Carmen Powell. <laughs> She's on the, the, the call tonight. <laughs> and uh, we appreciate her. And she has a great question because you talked about um, your leadership, your passion for leadership. Now, as you, you know, in your leadership role, did you find that some of your skills as far as having that hands-on and, and things that you did when you weren't, in a leadership role, do you find that you sometimes lose your edge um, or your, your expertise in that area? And if not, how do you kind of balance the two? So I think that this, this that's a great question, by the way. So what are, what are your career goals and objectives is, is kind of at the root of that question. So when we talk about do I find that my skills um, maybe become out of date or, or don't stay uh, as sharp, well, it depends on what skill sets we're talking about. Uh, I personally uh, take time to focus on latest trends uh, with regards to quality assurance and testing so that I stay relevant as a leader for a testing team, right? Um, I think that every day that I'm, that I'm in the office with my team, I'm focused on leading them, and that sharpens those leadership skills. You do have to protect against uh, 
stagnating, uh, essentially, because the market of IT, uh, how we deliver software, how we develop software, the expectations of our users, it's constantly changing. I think that we talked a little bit about um, the, the introduction of Agile, and, and that has a, a major implication on the role of testing uh, when fully implemented in a, in a Scrum-type environment. So as, as quintiles look to implement that methodology, it was very important for me to be up to speed and up to date on what that meant for my team so that I could provide guidance for them on how to in, uh, interact and continue to add value in that world. So the short answer, uh, Carmen, is absolutely. You know, any time that we as leaders or we as folks in the technology industry aren't continually seeking out knowledge and looking to learn, we run the risk of becoming irrelevant over time. I mean, everybody's bought a computer and turned around three weeks later and realized that they could now go buy that same computer for hundreds of dollars less, right? Same is true with the processes that come along with developing that technology, the innovation that exists within our environment. So, yes, from a leadership perspective, from a technology perspective, we do have to stay relevant. I think the second aspect of that question, uh, and Jacqueline, you're, you're living this, is how do you stay relevant? We all have 40, 50, 60-hour-a-week jobs. Where do we find time for that training? How do we stay up to speed? Well, I think that Technology Expresso here, one, gives a great forum to meet other people in, in the industry, to find people in the technology world and figure out what are you doing? What books do you read? What associations do you find yourself affiliated with? So the important thing, this goes directly into your network, right? The people that you interact with professionally and personally, are they sharpening you in your skill set? Are they sharpening you in your approach to getting your work done? And are you capitalizing on the people that you know in your life to seek out the knowledge that they have and to seek out the channels through which they gather knowledge, advice, and education? So, again, uh, you know, Jacqueline, I think that you and David here are living it, and you're providing the forum for people to meet others and really capitalize on the opportunity to get out there and find that knowledge to stay relevant. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. <laughs> Great shout-out. Appreciate that. Appreciate Carmen. And uh, we've we got the whole family listening in tonight. We've got Tasha Hurley going to give a shout-out to her as well. Thank you, Tasha, for listening in. Um, and and, and uh, appreciate, you know, feel free. We've got the chat room open at technologyexpresso.com if you want to send in a, a question or e even if you want to call in a question. Um, Matt, just really appreciate, you know, what you just said, not only about Technology Express, so, but actually I'm, I'm going to turn that into a question. Tell us about um, maybe a recent book you read or what, what books are you reading or, or what, what book maybe even in your past that really left an impression with you? What, what have you read along the way? So I would say probably um, two, one is, 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 uh, is, they're both short books. I mean, I, I don't have the greatest attention span, and I find myself um, constantly moving between challenges. Um, but two books that, that have shaped my leadership style, one is called The Servant as Leader. The other is called Journey to the East. 
So the first uh, was written by Robert Greenleaf, and he's he's recognized as kind of the founder of, of servant leadership. And he talks a good bit about the core principles of truly leading people by serving people. Uh, Journey to the East is actually um, more of a story uh, about a group of people's journey, um, and the cook in their group is actually the leader of the group. And as you're reading this book, I won't spoil it for anyone who may actually want to pick it up, you'll find that he embodies um, the, the true principles associated with, with servant leadership in, in kind of um, in, in a short story-type uh, format. Those two books have been very influential uh, for me. I actually picked those up um, in a leadership program that I went through uh, specifically focused on servant leadership. Currently, uh, I've got a couple of books sitting on, uh, on my nightstand. Um, one is uh, the first 90 days. So how do you actually move into an organization and get the most out of your first 90 days as well as make an impact uh, during your first 90 days because your observations during that period being new and being fresh to an environment are always going to be some of your most valuable uh, the other is what the what CEO wants you to know. So really opening your eyes uh, to big business. Um, you know, again, none of these books are greater than an inch thick because, again, I need, uh, I personally find that I need quick hits. I need to dive into these books, find nuggets of information, and then move on. So those are four good examples of things that I've read that have been very relevant for my career and my personal development. I keep a few books um, on my desk that I use more as reference guides as well. Um, so I think that that's, a, that's an important aspect for, for any professional to, to always um, you know, keep some things like that handy. The Addison Wesley Signature Series is is one that I find myself going back to. I think that entire series of books um, is is very relevant for each functional domain associated with technology development. So, you know, again, that's another channel of collecting uh, new information and always looking to, to sharpen the skill sets that you bring to an organization, whether it be uh, professional or uh, a group like you know, Technology Expresso uh, or, or other community and network-focused groups where you can participate in that conversation and help other professionals in your field. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, and and I'm, I'm going to take note of some of those books, too, because I, I haven't heard of uh, some of those, so I, I definitely want to look into those because um, I'm definitely intrigued now. Um, and, and, and just a great point that, that you, you made is when people listening to this, they can find out what are you using, what are you doing, what organizations uh, you belong to. And that, that brought up a, another question in my mind is, again, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, there's there's groups people know about PMI and and to some extent and there's the PMBOK and um, I'm affiliated with the IIBA which is associated with business analysis. For people who are looking uh, to go into testing or to transition into testing, where do they go and and um, what affiliate professional affiliations or, or maybe even certifications are there in the, the testing industry? Can you just talk to that just a little bit just to give some people some direction? 
Sure. So probably one of the most uh, recognized in the quality industry is ASQ, uh, and you can easily find them at ASQ.org. And uh, they actually would be sort of the equivalent for uh, for a PMI um, or uh, or or a BA type uh, organization that focuses on widely accepted uh, principles and standards. Um, I think that you know they offer uh, you know a book of knowledge. Uh, that's that's kind of their approach, and you can certify with them. And having that kind of recognition on your resume certainly will uh, will demonstrate to to anyone who is looking to either hire you or network with you that um, that you have a common vernacular uh, to speak on on the subject of quality. There's a, there's a couple of others. I, I think that um, you know through quintiles. Uh, we we've learned a good bit about that agile methodology, and um, so there is the certified Scrum Master uh, certification that is that is available, and that uh, will teach you a good bit about that particular delivery methodology, which really seems to have picked up steam um, throughout multiple multiple organizations across many domains. It's very difficult here at uh for those of us who are at Quintiles or Quintiles alumni, um, because of the regulation associated with that industry. But as we take a peek in, you know, behind the curtains for some of our friends and, and other uh and other organizations, Agile is really picking up and, and has a head of steam there. So, you know, that's another one. If you're looking to get involved outside of um, you know, a specific discipline. Uh, my most uh, my most recent membership is with the uh, Technology Association of Georgia, which is uh, TAG. Now, you can look on their website, and they have uh, multiple uh, areas of discipline, uh, and they have networking events where you can get together and make connections with people who are focused, whether it be on you know business intelligence or mobile platforms or things of that nature. You, you know they have boards that oversee each one of those areas. So if you're if you're just looking to kind of get involved in the technology environment around Atlanta, I think that's an excellent you know opportunity uh, to do that. Whether you're you know looking to to meet people who share similar interests, or you're looking to, you know, get involved in, in you know, nonprofit type projects uh, in the Atlanta area as well. So, those are a few that are tops on my list. Awesome, thank you, thank you. And and let's talk about because we often encourage our audience. There's online networking. There's you know the the social networking. Uh, and then, but people, you still have to get out there and do that that face to face and press the flesh uh, networking as well. And, and so, uh, Matt has suggested a couple of different organizations. So, go to your computers uh, if, if you're just listening by phone. But at some point, do check out. I, I, I believe it was ASQ and also TAG, uh, which TAG I am familiar with, and, and both great organizations. And don't just network when you need something. It's always good to network before you need something, just something you just said, Matt, just to get out and meet like-minded people, professional people um, who um, are passionate about what they do, which, as you know, we are here at Technology Express and also Matt. Obviously, you're, you're passionate about about what you do. 
Um, and, and let's talk about uh, in our industry, we know that things are constantly changing, whether it's within the organization or just when new opportunities that come about. And so talk about, because you, you even kind of took us through your, your path from the consulting to the Home Depot to the quintiles. How have you, you know, what, how did, have you made some of the decisions and what are some of the decisions and, and talk about what's next for, for Matt Ernest? Sure. So, I mean, that's, that's a great question because I think that we're always, uh, as people constantly evolving and, you know, for opportunity to be there, uh, you have to be uh, prepared for it, first of all. So, um, you know, a, a good mentor of mine used to always tell me that there's no such thing as luck. Luck is simply the intersection of preparation and opportunity, right? Are you ready to seize the opportunity when it presents itself? Do you know how to put yourself in a position where opportunity will present itself? Uh, and I think that those are good questions for all of us to answer. You know, for me, um, I think that right now at my point in my career, what I'm focused on is have I developed my network? Do I, uh, in today's world, leverage social media um, as, well, as well as, you know, the good old-fashioned telephone um, to keep in touch with the professionals that I've met over the course of my career to ensure that I'm there to help them as well as, um, as, well as uh, have solid relationships that will be there when I'm looking for uh, some advice. Uh, or uh, or looking for to help a friend or need an opportunity for myself. So, first of all, it's about having a good uh, it's about having a good network. But transitioning between opportunities and and how how to go about making that decision. Well, for me, in in the changes that I made, I already mentioned that I moved out of uh, big consulting simply because of traveling. Um, so that was that was a very easy decision. But it wasn't easy to choose where I wanted to go. I did something that um, I think that uh, maybe a little bit old school, but I sat down and I, and I wrote down the things that were important to me, both professionally and personally, skills that I wanted to develop, things that I thought that I was good at as well. So now I had a list in front of me of what do I want to do, what do I think I'm good at, and what do I think I need to work on? And I started looking at opportunities that were available. I started to reach out to my network and see um, what, are the, what are the opportunities that I'm purely going after that are, that are cold calls and, and, and just submitting a resume versus where might I have some warm introductions that help me meet some of the things that are on my list. Turns out um, I knew someone at Home Depot and um, leveraged that particular uh, contact to get my to get my hands uh, to get my resume in the right hands. And so, from the time that I uh, made the decision that I needed to to move back to Atlanta and, and and actually put down some roots and stop traveling, to the time that I walked into the door at, at Home Depot was four weeks. And that's all about having a warm introduction there, knowing what I wanted, finding the right position, and then leveraging that contact to get my resume in their hands. So I would not say that I would ever expect for anything to happen that quick again, but I think it's an excellent example of the 
knowing what you want and leveraging a warm introduction to then go get what you want, actually lining up and, and the stars aligning, that actually happening, um, really demonstrates the importance of each one of those things. So that's always a story that I like to uh, that I like to bring up when it comes to uh, transitioning between opportunities and, and finding where what's your next challenge going to be. The most important of those is the list, right? Knowing what you want to accomplish. You know, for for those of us in this industry, uh, you know, technology where things are changing. You, you're typically the type of person that's that's always looking to learn, always looking to evolve, and you got to know yourself. You're not looking for just the next job. You're looking for a career, and you're looking for something that helps make helps make you better. So if you haven't taken the time to sit down and actually write down the things that are critical and important for you, then you need to go back. You got to go back. Step one, you got to do the basics. You got to put those building blocks there. Um, choosing a job. Uh, is just that. It's as much about you choosing them as it is them choosing you. If you truly want to, you know, be happy in the position, meet your career objectives, and truly grow as a person uh, professionally and contribute to an organization. As I moved from uh, the Home Depot to Quintiles, my list had changed. I no longer was looking for the methodologies associated with data warehouse testing and growing in that aspect, I was ready to capitalize on developing my leadership skills. I now had a small team under me. I wanted a bigger team. I wanted more autonomy. I wanted more control with how my team runs on a daily basis because actually building a team and getting them excited around a central objective that we all go attack together operating as a flat organization was something that I needed to do. And it was important for me as a person to, to move into a job that was going to let me do that. Um, again, it was my network. I went back to, you know, I mentioned, I told you guys about, about Devin and, and it was Devin that brought me into that opportunity and, and, and handed me the keys to develop those skills. But it wasn't because he needed somebody and I was a warm body. It was an opportunity that I was prepared for, and it met my personal objectives and the skills that I wanted to build. Therefore, I made the decision to make that move. So what's next for Matt Ernst? Um, right now, I actually uh, have recently uh, gone through a transition once again, uh, ready to take the next step in, in my career. Jacqueline, we focused a lot on skill sets throughout this call. Um, I've always had a passion for testing, and that's taught me a lot about business processes associated with the use of a system. One of the gaps that I think that I've had that I recognize is I want to learn more about how the businesses operate themselves. The skill sets that we use in the IT organization to introduce optimization to our processes within IT are also applicable in the business world. Business operations is, is again, all about process and introducing efficiency to those processes as well. So I've recently joined a management consulting firm here in Atlanta where we focus on um, value-add propositions for our clients in a few different areas. We do technology optimization and implementation, which has kind of been my bread and butter with quality assurance. But we also do, um, we do uh, business strategy, 
um, and business integration, where we're actually taking uh, business processes and looking to uh, streamline and optimize to add value and efficiency back to back to our clients. So that's kind of the next chapter of my life, and uh, really the the skills that I want to build over the coming uh, months and years, so that I'm a bit more well-rounded as uh, as a professional and can bring more value to the table for uh, for the companies uh, and, and currently the clients that uh, that our firm serves. Well, awesome, and, and congratulations, Matt, and also best of luck to you. Uh, I'm looking at the clock, and I can't believe that 60 minutes have gone by so quickly just as you know, working with you, how quickly the, the time went by. I know there were some long days and long nights, and it felt like it wasn't going to ever end, but uh, we got through through the project, and, and now we, we that was a closure, and we moved on to different things, and now the show is about to close as well. And, again, like I said, I just wish you – I know that you're going to do well – um, and I know that we're going to stay in touch. That's number two. <laughs> and, and and I know that hopefully we'll have you back on the show and you can continue to give advice. I know that uh, the young people out there that are listening to this call as well as those at various stages in their careers, there was a lot of nuggets in there to take away. I was uh, nodding my head. David was here nodding our head. Uh, David's here in the background manning the, the chat room and uh, – making sure we recover from any technical difficulty. So many thanks uh, to him, and you all will hear from him very soon. Uh, we have some more guests coming up, and he'll be the primary host, and I'll be in the background. But nonetheless, we thank everybody for joining us tonight, um, and we're going to continue to bring you quality uh, speakers such as Matt Ernest, who take their, their the time out to share their experiences. Um, and uh, if you just continue to stay with us. We'll just continue to provide you the information that you need to further your career, to further your business ventures, and whatever else you're looking for, anything that we can help you with. And as a matter of fact, we're always asking our audience, if you have a topic that you'd like to hear on Technology Expresso, feel free to email us at technologyexpresso, that's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-O, at gmail.com. Also look for us on Facebook and Twitter. Um, we love the feedback. We love the interaction. And we've got some awesome uh, programming coming up, some very unique programming. Visit our archives. We've talked to several of the – we actually had a show not too long ago with Tasha Hurley and her husband talking about how IT is a family affair. So check that out in our archives as well. Great show. We recently did a mock interview with David Blackman, so I want to give a plug for that. Go check that out. If you're preparing for the interview, hear how it's done by listening to an actual mock interview. Um, so that's the type of programming we're bringing. And, um, again, stay in touch. We're only going to keep getting better, and we appreciate all the support of our 24,000 listeners um, since January, and we appreciate that as well. And um, that ends tonight's segment. Again, thank you, Matt, and good night.